boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and a pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We understand we come to the verses that we have read this morning for a text that this is a story that no doubt you probably heard in Sunday school or learned uh, in, in your church life of Jacob and Esau. We know that they were twin brothers that were born uh, to Isaac and Rebekah. And you're reminded that Isaac, of course, is the son of Abraham. So these would be uh, the grandsons of Abraham, the man of faith. And so we could say these boys had a good heritage, amen. They had a good family and a good background. And the Bible teaches us that the the center theme of this text is this birthright. Now, this birthright doesn't mean much to us in the world we live in today, but in this Jewish culture, uh, it was very important. One preacher outlined it like this. It represented, first of all, the father's honor. We know according to Genesis 27, that firstborn would have a special blessing uh, placed upon him because he was the firstborn, and that is what Jacob stole uh, from his brother in Genesis 27. And then that birthright also involved the family heritage. In other words, the authority and blessing of the family uh, was passed down from one generation to another because of this birthright to the eldest son. And then it represented financial help. The eldest son of the family, the one that had the birthright, according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, he would receive a double portion of his father's inheritance uh, when he died. And then this also represented a future hope because all these Jews were looking forward to a Messiah coming and that Messiah being the Lord Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem one night. Amen. He lived a sinless life. He died and He rose again on the third day. And I want to say this tonight, even though we do not observe uh, the Jewish birthrights in this day and age, spiritually uh, we have some spiritual birthrights. Say, man, hey, we have the Father's honor. Ephesians 1 says He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Amen. Hey, we're a blessed crowd today. God's been good to us and God has been faithful to us. And also, uh, we have that family heritage. There have been some things uh, that have been passed down from one generation to another in this Christian faith. And it's an honor. I thank God for our heritage this morning. We've been doing this series in Sunday school in the King James Bible. That's part of our heritage. We believe that this is the Word of God. Amen. And then also financial help. God said, I will provide 
all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We'll get that. To, we'll get to that later in Philippians four. But that is not a promise to the man that wastes his money or that is frivolous in his spending. Uh, but rather, is a promise to those who take care of God's business. If you'll take care of God's business, then God will in turn take care of your business. Amen. And then we also have a future hope. We are not looking for the first coming of Jesus Christ, but I'm glad we're looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Esau has been blessed with this birthright. He has been blessed with this privilege. But I'm interested this morning, though, that he sells it. He sells his birthright. What did he sell it for? Did he sell it for a million dollars? Did he sell it for for land? Did he sell it for property? Uh, What did he sell it for? He sold it for a bowl of soup. He sold it, sold his birthright for one meal. I want to preach on this thought this morning, the sad story of a sellout. The word sellout, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means the selling of an entire stock of something. The sad story of a sellout. What Jacob offered Esau in this text, it was tempting. Jacob knew that Esau had been out in that field hunting and laboring, and he knew that when he come in from that field that he would be hungry, and he laid a temptation out before him. By the way, the world and the flesh and the devil, they will lay temptations out before us. Oh, they know our weaknesses. They know of the areas we struggle in, especially the devil. He is the tempter, according to Matthew chapter number 4 and Luke chapter number 4. He is the tempter that will come and tempt us. God does not tempt any man to sin, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed according to James 1 and verse number 13. And what Jacob offered Esau was tempting. And Sadly, so many people are selling out to temptation. What he sold out for was tasteful. It was I don't think it was a bad bowl of soup. But it, 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 it was it was appealing to his taste buds, if you would. It was something that he was going to enjoy. It was something desirable. And may I remind you, the devil ain't going to stick a stick a, a life of sin out in front of you that's not appealing. Every time he offers sin, every time he offers something to you to try to get you to sell out and go in the way of sin, it always looks appealing. It always looks good. But at the end of the day, the pleasure in sin only last for a season. I'll say this as well. What Jacob offered Esau was temporal. It was not a month of meals. It was not a year of meals. It was one meal. One bowl of soup. I tell you, a lot of people are selling out spiritual things and selling out eternal things for temporal things. The Bible said we're not to set our affections on things on the earth. Or set our affections on things above. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and, and, and rust and thieves uh, can get in and contaminate and steal and corrupt. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. There's a lot of people selling things out today. They're selling out their family for sin. Selling out their convictions. Selling out the Word of God. Selling out the church. Just all these things things we have, all these blessings that we have, all these good things that we have, but people are being a sellout. I don't want to be a sellout this morning. I don't want to give away the precious things that God has entrusted into me in my life. But if you give in to temptation, you'll be a sellout. Let's look quickly this morning at these verses, at the sad story of a sellout. Why did Esau sell his birthright? Well, number one, 
his devotion to the field. Verse number 27, the Bible teaches us that Esau was a cunning hunter. And here's the first thing we learn about him. One of the first things we learn about him as an adult. He is a man of the field. Matthew 13, 38 in Jesus' parable, he likened the field to the world. Jesus said the field is the world. Hey, I'm going to tell you why a lot of people sell out this morning because they're in love with the world. Amen. The Bible said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's not talking about not loving the property you have. That's not what the Lord is speaking against. It's talking about being in love with this world system, being in love with this world sin. Esau's problem was he loved the field. He loved the world. Hebrews 12, we'll look at in a little bit, called him a fornicator and called him a profane man, a wicked and ungodly man. He was in love with the world. Esau, first of all, was characterized by the field. What do we know about Esau? He was a man of the field. He loved the field. He was known for his admiration and his love for that field. Can I ask you this morning, what are you known for? What What is your love known for? Is your love known for the things of God or for the things of the world? I tell you, if you're in love with the world this morning, if I I am in love with the world this morning, I'm going to be an easy sellout to the world. He was characterized by the field. He was cunning in the field. The Bible said in verse 27, he was a cunning hunter. The word cunning here, it means to know or to be acquainted with. In other words, Esau knew all about the field. His innocency was gone. I preached to the young people Friday night, and it's still good preaching for us adults here today and the young people that are in this service this morning. But innocency is not a bad thing. Innocency is a gift from God. You ought to thank God uh, that you were raised in a, if you were raised in a family where you didn't know about certain things and you did and not everybody has that testimony, but you ought to thank God that you were raised around the right things and you were sheltered from some things. Because I'm telling you, once you open up that door, you can't never shut it. Once you open up the door to the wrong kind of music, you can't shut it. Once you open up the door to pornography, it's hard to shut it. Once you open up the door uh, to cussing, it's hard to shut it. Once you open up the door to immorality, it's hard to shut that door. But I'm telling you, Esau was familiar with it. He was cutting. He knew all about it. I'm telling you this morning, that's why it's so, you got to be careful what you put in your body and what you allow in your eyes, what you allow in your mind. Because uh, what goes in your mind, oh, you'll forget a scripture in a heartbeat, but you'll remember every every line of every wicked worldly song that you've ever heard. And you'll remember every scene and every dirty movie you've ever seen. Why? Because that's our minds and our bodies are wicked. It's this flesh that we have. Paul said, for I know that it's in me, that it's in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He was characterized by the field. He was cunning in the field. Esau was comfortable in the field. That's where he felt at home. I tell you this morning, where do you feel at home at? I appreciate Brother Steve said this morning, I feel better here than I do anywhere else. Amen. Hey, I appreciate that. I feel the same way myself. I just like being in church. I like being around the people of God. But sadly, there are a lot of people, they'd rather fit in with the world than fit in with God's people. He was characterized by the world. He was cunning. He was characterized by the field. He was cunning in the field. He was comfortable in the field. But I thought about this. Esau was contaminated by the field. 
You remember in Genesis 27 when Isaac, we preached on a few months ago, when Isaac wanted to steal that blessing uh, from Esau. And so, or excuse me, Jacob wanted to steal the blessing of Isaac from Esau. And his mama got in on the deal. You know what his mama did? She went and got some of Esau's clothes and put it on Jacob. And when when Isaac embraced Jacob, he mentions in Genesis 27, 27 that he smelled like the field. He said, oh, you smell like the field. I, the other night, I, I was doing some uh, yard work. Believe it or not, I've done yard work this week. You can't believe it on a day like this. But I was outside sweating, mowing grass, and putting down putting down plastic and putting down mulch this week. And I was, uh, I was burning some things outside and, and uh, you know, just trying to save the earth. Somebody say amen and uh, burning some plastic I had and all that kind of stuff. And I celebrate Earth Day by burning two tires and spraying aerosol cans. Somebody help me, all right? Uh, but I was out there burning and, and, and I come inside and I took a shower and I... I picked up my clothes and put them in the hamper, and the whole hamper smelled like smoke. Amen. Not because I've been smoking. Somebody say amen. But because I'd been around that fire, I'd been outside. How many of you ever had a mama tell you, go change your clothes and take a bath? You smell like outside. My grandma always tell me you sm- we smelt like goats. I don't know what that meant. I don't know why she was so acquainted with goat smell, but she knew, all right? Uh, but you, you're, you smell like what you've been around. I'm going to tell you, you better be careful what you get around because it will contaminate you. I understand we have to work in this world. We have to shop in this world. We have to uh, do business in this world. We live in this world. Uh, but I'm telling you, this, we may have to live in this world, but this world don't have to live in us. It don't have to live on us, amen? Daniel lived in Babylon, but there wasn't one day that Babylon lived in Daniel. Amen. It took just a few days to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took Moses his whole life trying to get Egypt out of Israel. We find, why did he sell out? Because his devotion to the field. But secondly, notice his display of feigning. Look at verse 29. Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field. Watch your Bible now. And he was faint. I'm going to tell you why he sold out this morning. Because he got tired. You ever just get tired of the battle? Get tired of the struggle? Get tired of trying to live for the Lord? You get weary? Hey, you better be careful when we get tired. I said, we, when I get tired, I'm more susceptible to sinning when I'm physically tired. Some of you are nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. When you're tired and we're in your flesh, that's when you're most likely to yield to temptation. Somebody help me now. Amen. Notice he was his exhaustion in verse 29. He had went hunting out there in that field and had found nothing. I'm going to tell you, that's what the world will do. The world will promise everything. He went out in that field trying to find something. And he come back empty-handed. The world will always leave you wanting more. Notice his expression in verse 30. He said, for I am faint. Think about this. The world will wear you out. Sin will wear you out. I thought about this. We preach in the prisons. We minister to men. And you'll see a man in prison. He'll look 55, 60 years old. How old are you? 35. 36. Look a whole lot older. Why? Because sin will wear you out. We was talking about that this morning of an individual. Sin just wore their lives out. Because that's what the world will do. Wear your life out. Take years from you and never get... And the world always takes and never gives anything back. Notice his exaggeration in verse 32. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. He wasn't going to die. 
It's just like us. Boy, if I don't get some lunch, I'm going to die. Well, we are exaggerating. We don't mean that. We could probably all miss a few meals and not die. Somebody say amen right there. Amen, brother. Praise the Lord, brother Tony. Amen. Confession is good for the soul, all right? Now if we just give them to the altar, amen. I'm with you, brother. We could all miss a few meals. But you know what? When you get, when you live out in the world and your flesh gets tired, boy, if I don't have that, I ain't going to make it. Some people are addicted to this right here. They're addicted to a phone. They're addicted to a media platform. They're addicted to the television. There's, they're addicted to all these things. They're addicted to a cigarette. They're, they're addicted to drinking. They're addicted to all these things. And you know what? If I don't get this, I'm going to die. But we know they're not going to die. But the flesh will deceive us. And then watch his evaluation. Verse 32. He's hungry and Jacob says, Well, I'll give you some of this soup if you'll sell me your birthright. Watch what Esau said about it. Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? He said, what, well, How's this going to help me? Why is living for God anything? I, I preach, I go to church and I tip God on Sunday morning. God should be happy. What, what does it mean? I'm going to tell you why it don't mean anything to you because it don't mean anything to you. It don't have any value to you. You got anything in life you value? You value anything? I value my marriage. I value my children. I value my friends. But I ought to value the things of God. Amen. I value my marriage so I don't want to talk to another woman in private. Amen. I value my children so I want to make sure they're safe and taken care of. Somebody help me. But if I value my relationship with God, then I shouldn't want anything to come in between me and the Lord. But He didn't value it. Hey, can I say this this morning? This is still some of my notes from Friday night. But it's still good to say, your purity is valuable. Amen. Your innocence is valuable. Your integrity is valuable. Amen. Hey, hey, don't, don't allow things in your life that's gonna, hey, let me say this tonight, this morning. There are some in this building this morning. You've made mistakes in the past. And I want to let you know the blood of Jesus Christ uh, can forgive you and restore you. And thank God for that. Uh, but there might be somebody in here this morning. You've never went down that road. And you've never went down that path. And I want to, while I'm trying to help this one over here, I want to encourage you, don't go that direction. Don't go that direction. It may not mean much to you now, but one day you'll wish to God in heaven you didn't do such things. It's like the illustration of the young lady in school. They were making fun of her because she was a virgin. That's not a dirty word either. Amen. Because she she had her virtue and, and she was pure and they were making fun of her. And she made the statement to some of her friends. She said, I can become like you at any time I want to, but you can never be like me again. Hey, I, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's restoration. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not misplaying that this morning at all. But I'm telling you, there's something you... And I know a lot of our young people aren't here today, but some of them are listening online. Hey, you ought to protect yourself and be pure and live a, a, live a life honoring to God and preserve yourself because one day you'll wish you would have. I could stand any adult up here this morning and name 10 or 12 things and, they'd, and they'd, they would all have regrets. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have went there. I wish I hadn't participated in that. I wish I hadn't opened up myself because they still battle those things. Help me some adults still battle those things to this day. And if you never open up that door, you won't ever have to shut it. Amen. I, I pick around people laugh, but I stopped smoking before I started. Amen. I stopped drinking before I ever started. If you never open up that door, you don't have to shut it. Amen. So I said, that's good for young people. No, that's good for us all because there's still some doors out there, adults. 
in this world we're living in, it used to be preachers preach against TV because what was on the TV, but I'm telling you, what we have on our cell phones now is ten times worse than what was on the TV in the 90s. Better be careful about opening up those doors because you'll have a hard time getting them shut. He was devoted to the field. He was display, the display of his fame. But then notice number three, he was driven by the flesh. Esau was a man that was driven by the mentality. If it feels good, help me finish it. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, do it. You know, God is not as much concerned with your happiness as He is your holiness. But I'll say this to the other side of that. Happiness and holiness are not enemies. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Blessed is the man. That word blessed means happy. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus say the Lord, saying ye the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. The most peaceful, contented people are those who are trying to live according to the Word of God. Do they have problems? Yes. Do they have battles? Yes. Do they have struggles? Yes. But they got somebody and they got someone to help them with that. Think about this with Esau. He did not consider his birthright. He didn't consider how valuable it was. In a moment of weakness, all he could see was that bowl. I should have got a bowl up here with me this morning. All he could think about was that was that bowl of that bowl of soup. He wasn't thinking about what he was giving up. Sir, before you take that second look at that woman, you ought to look at the value of your wife and your family. Help me now. And your children. Ma'am, before you before you start flirting with that man on the job, you ought to take a look at your husband and your children and consider before you walk out on your kids, you ought to consider that. I'm, I've got friends of mine whose spouses have walked away and left the kids saying, I don't want any, I, don't, I can't imagine that. A parent walking away, I don't want my kids. I, don't want, I can't imagine that, Brother Tony. I can't imagine that. I'll tell you why they do that. They don't consider. The Bible says you're to consider the end of a thing. A lot of people see the beginning, and boy, it looks like fun, but they don't consider the end of it. He didn't consider. He didn't compare. Here's what I mean by that. That birthright would have lasted his whole life. But that bowl of soup lasted less than 30 minutes. Ain't that the way sin is? Promises so much. I promise you the world. So They said that D.L. Moody was walking down the street one day, singing and whistling, had a smile on his face, and a lady walked up to D.L. Moody and said, Pastor Moody, I'd give the world to have what you have. He said, ma'am, that's exactly what it'll cost you. Did you hear what I said? It's exactly what it'll cost you. Take the world and give me Jesus. He was driven by the flesh. He was devoted to the field. He displayed fainting. Then number four, watch this. He was deceived by familiarity. He was deceived by someone he trusted. It wasn't an enemy that got him, Brother David. It was his brother. Someone he knew, he grew up with, they spent their lives together. But you better be careful who you hang around. Someone close to him calls him to be a sellout. You're, you're, we got folks trying to live for the Lord. If you're not careful, you got to watch it. Sometimes family, they don't mean, they may not mean it uh, the direction that they say it. They may not mean everything. They just don't understand. Uh, but why do you got to be so committed to church? Why do you all have to go all the time? Why are you raise those kids? Don't be a sellout. He was deceived by someone he trusted, but he was deceived by something he had tasted. 
Look at verse 30. I never saw this to this week. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. According to that, Brother Charles, Esau had eaten Jacob's pottage before. And he had got a taste of it. He said, Hey, I want some of that same stuff you gave me before. That's why it's so important to be careful what you allow in your body, in your mind, in your life. Because if you ever get a taste of it, I wouldn't point nobody out this morning, but men and ladies who struggle with alcohol, you can probably smell a certain smell and it reminds you. Folks that struggle with drugs or cigarettes or, or immorality or, or music, you can just hear. I mean, ain't it crazy? You try to memorize the Word of God, you have a hard time, you go in Waffle House and you hear a song that you learned, heard 30 years ago and you know every line. Help me now. That's just, that's just the way it is. It's the truth. And you can't help what you've done in the past, but you can help what you do today. And you can't help what you do in the future. And so, preacher, I've opened up some doors I can't shut. Hey, God will give you grace. God will help you walk in the Spirit. But don't open any more doors. Don't taste anything else. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what the Bible says. And number five, he despised the faith. Look at verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread. See, what the world, the world tried to even add things. He asked for a bowl of soup in the world. Hey, let me give you some bread too. And lentils, pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Watch this phrase. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Notice his regard. This word despised here, it means to hold in worthless value. You know why he didn't mind selling his birthright for a bowl of soup? Because it didn't mean anything to him. You know why men are getting rid of their Bible, the King James Bible, it don't mean anything to them. You know why churches are changing their music and getting rid of the old hymns of the faith? It don't mean anything to them. You know why people are giving up their standards and their conviction and their separation? Because it don't mean anything to them. Does this church mean anything to you this morning? Does this word, does this Bible mean anything to you? Then don't sell it out. His regard. Then notice his reputation. Hebrews twelve sixteen says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. The word meat there indicates a meal. And some soups have meat in them. That's not a, a contradiction in the Bible. Amen. You ever had Brundrick stew? Somebody help me. His reputation. That word fornicator, and I know I'm in mixed company and I'll be kind, but the word fornicator means a male prostitute. Meaning, once you're a sellout, you'll always be a sellout. The word profane means ungodly. His regard, his reputation, and then his regret. Hebrews 12:17. For ye know that how afterward he, speaking of Esau, would have inherited a blessing. The blessing. He was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. According to that verse, he regretted the day that he sold out his birthright for a bowl of soup. Do you remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was on the Mount of Temptation? The devil came to him, said, uh, turn these bread, turn these stones to bread, uh, cast yourself down, all this stuff. One of the things he gave him, proposition, he said, if you'll do this, I think it was, uh, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. I think that's what it was. Offering all the kingdoms of the world. 
And I believe that's, I believe that includes time and eternity, all the kingdoms. So the devil offered Jesus literally the world. Somebody said he couldn't do that. Well, he is the God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians 4. We'll debate that later. But somebody said about that text, well, the devil ain't never offered me the world. And Brother Brian McBride said, yeah, because we sell out for so much cheaper. We often sell out for something so much cheaper. May God help us not to be a sellout this morning. Now, let me say this in closing. We do need to be a sellout. We ought to sell out to the one that bought us. Remember what I said, sellout? It means someone taking ownership, total stock of something. You know what the Bible said? That your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost within you, which you have of God. You're not your own, for ye are bought. With a price. I'm telling you this morning, if we're going to sell out, if we're going to give somebody our whole lives, we ought to at least give our lives to the one who bought us. Amen. He paid for us. How did he buy us? Acts 20, 28 says he purchased us with his own blood. First Peter 1 says we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. We ought to be a sellout this morning. But we ought to sell out to the one that bought us. The devil, listen to me this morning, I'm done. The devil has not invested one, invested one thing into your life. The devil can't even give you a breath in your body. You ever thought about that? He's never given anything. Here's what the Bible said. The thief, he's a thief. He cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. All he does is take and take and take. But we know that James 1 says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights and whom there is no variables in the shadow of turning. Everything good in your life this morning come from the Lord. So if I'm going to sell out, if I'm going to give somebody my whole life, I at least ought to give it to the one who bought me and paid the price for my soul at Calvary. The sad story of a sellout. Let's stand together, please. I appreciate your attention. I preached 30 minutes this morning, and I appreciate you listening.